What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. All right, we want to welcome you to this episode of the Niche Finder Framework. Today, I have an extremely special guest. and You've been hearing me somewhat plugging this book ever since I started this podcast, the Niche Finder podcast, the book called Dream Octane. Well, the person who is helping me to make this dream of mine in the form of a book coherent is a young lady that I'm privileged to have on here today. Her name is Elise Gallagher. Before we get to formally introducing her, I want to just give you a little bit of a background with her bio. All right. So Elise Gallagher is a published fiction writer, freelance editor, and adjunct English professor. She received her master's in fine arts and creative writing and publishing arts from the University of Baltimore. Before becoming a freelancer, Elise worked in the trade publishing industry as an associate production editor with various companies, including Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, Her short stories have appeared in various literary magazines, and she is currently seeking literary representation for her second novel. In 2018, she attended the One Story Summers Writers Conference. She is a senior fiction reader for the Cherry Hill Literary Magazine and teaches creative writing during the summers. And so this is a beautiful backdrop for those people in the industry who would know the importance of being a part of the One Summer Writers Conference and also uh, being a fiction writer as uh, as well as somebody who invests in others through teaching creative writing. Uh, that's part of the draw. We'll hear about it today. But most of all, I'm happy because when I schedule her to be a part of this. I was so giddy. I was giddy like <laughs> a, a, a nine-year-old on Christmas Day. And I'm happy to have her. And so without any other delays, any other introduction, I want to make this young lady who we have a part of this niche finder framework introducing you to the artist and also writer and fiction editor and the editor of my book, Dream Octane, that is um, soon to be released. Miss Elise Gallagher, welcome to the program. 
Thanks, Cliff. I'm excited to be on here. I was thrilled when you asked me uh, to join the, the podcast interview because it's been such a pleasure to work with you on your book. Oh, well, you know, it's the same here. I, I, I'll i tell you, can I just, before we get to the questions, I just want to tell people a little bit of how um, I found you and the journey of getting to where we are today, working together. Um, so for the, for the listening audience, you know, I have been working on this book, Dream Octane, for a couple of years. And um, I think I was trying to figure out everything on my own. And as far as when I say everything, I mean, trying to put out a nonfiction book. I had already written a book, but it was the first book was um, poetry. It was an anthology I put together with about 13 other people who were in my church. And I said, hey, guys, had an idea. You want to be um, published authors. I, I, I would like to be one as well for the first time. What about if we collaborated? We did that and we self-published something. It took several years. It's a whole lot to the story, but I'm just giving you the start the snippet. So then fast forward to uh, last year, uh, 2020, around August, July, August, I started saying, man, you know what? I got like 100,000 words on this page and it's a whole lot of stuff that makes sense. And there's a whole lot of stuff that just does not. It's just (laughs) it's embarrassing. And so I, I went and started to google i don't know if i told you the story at least but i went and i googled okay how do you find a nonfiction editor and so it brought me to multiple articles i jumped down a rabbit hole of researching and i came across this one article that had here are the top 30 editors and the guy who was writing on how to pick an editor he had all of this great information it was a whole the blog was long and i read all of it and i got down to the bottom where there was a grid and on that grid he had his top 30 recommendations and who was at the very top he said and this is my editor elise gallagher (laughs) and i was like man this guy added so much value to me in reading about the industry the process how to vet copy editing versus editing like all of this great stuff i didn't know but i felt well informed after reading it i said i gotta get in contact with this young lady and i and i did just that so i think i did a combination of things of trying to hit her up on reads to LinkedIn to all this other stuff and I, I think we actually connected on LinkedIn yeah. and, and then you know we just started to exchange and the thing that I, I most admired about you before we even get down to your journey is your ability to serve like you you said to me you know send me some some samples of your work and here I am feeling like I got this hot mess of a project that I feel passionate about but I know it had no structure or no bones to it and and you said send me about 3,000 words and ladies and gentlemen if you're looking for an editor I can tell you that this young lady not only did she read the 3,000 words or maybe it was 5,000 words I think at the time she asked me to she didn't ask for anything she didn't submit an invoice she didn't say anything like that she just said send it to me and she sent me back such a thorough and thoughtful response to that document and she has such a unique way of giving you constructive feedback without tearing you down you're such a vote it's a, such a vulnerable state to be in to be sharing like it's like my baby i'm giving you my baby and it's like uh, the midwife just holding it as if it's her own that's what i kind of felt like she did for me and so um i'm so happy really i'm really excited to, to talk to you about 
the publishing industry, about editing, uh, about how you even feel about about the book and, and, and um, just to get your feedback. I think the world needs to hear what you have to say because there's so much value in you and I'm, I'm appreciative of you. So I'm going to introduce you one more time. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Right following the ramble of, of, of why I'm happy that you're here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to re, uh, reintroduce to you uh, Miss Elise Gallagher. Welcome to the program. Thanks. Well, um, funny story real quick that the article that you found me on, um, that was actually one of my first freelance clients that I worked with. Wow. And he asked me for, you know, oh, can you give me your information and I'll, and I'll put it up. And he, um, we had signed a confidentiality agreement, so I didn't know his name or anything like that. And, um, after I gave them my information, they shared the website where he put me. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And I realized he was a self-publishing guru. Wow. And I scrolled down and I saw that he put me at the top of his list. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I was not expecting that. That's amazing. And then wow. I've you contacted me shortly after that. And I've gotten a few contacts since that. But yeah, he was one of my first um, first clients. And I remember when you first messaged me, you said you had this 100,000 word book. Um, but you weren't sure if you were ready and we had to um, kind of stall our start date just for various things that were going on. And I remember when you sent the book to me, you're like, I got it down to like 50,000 words. I was like, oh my God, I was so impressed that <laughs> you were able to cut all that by yourself because that's just so hard to do. <laughs> and I was like, wow, he's a serious writer. Like he know he knows what he's doing already. Like, even though he doesn't maybe feel that way, but he definitely knows what he's doing. So I was very impressed that you were able to get it down from a hundred thousand to about, I think 50,000 words, even before we started working together. So well, yeah. it, it was hard. It was almost like peeling the scabs off wounds, yeah. you know? So <laughs> it was, yeah. but I can tell you that, um, I'm definitely appreciative, but I, I want to get more into, into that. But, um, as we dovetail into your journey, um, why would the audience have a vested interest in what your journey has been? Um, well, freelancing is something that freelance edit. Well, editing is something that I've always wanted to do. So when I was like six or seven, I, I knew I wanted to be a writer or a dolphin trainer. Mm. And obviously dolphin training <laughs> didn't work out. Um, but writing stuck with me my entire life. And when I was in, in school and in, in high school and college, everyone's like, what are you going to do with your writing degree? Teach? And I was like, no, I, I need to make some money while I write. So I'm going to go into editing. I'm going to go into publishing. And everyone's like, oh, that's really hard to get into. You know, like that's almost impossible to get into that. Like you should just go teach. And my mm. parents didn't tell me that. Obviously, they've always been supportive. I've been very lucky. Um, but you know, professionals, even some teachers around me said, you, it's hard to get into publishing. Like, you know, it pretty much is impossible. And I was like, I want to find a way. <laughs> um, mm. So it was a lot of circumstance that led that led me to that. Um, my husband's from Ireland. When he moved over to, to the U S he got a job in Massachusetts and I had just graduated. So he moved to Massachusetts and they have a ton of publishing companies there. Um, and I was able to get an unpaid internship, which led me to getting a paid job, which led me to the next job that I really wanted. Um, so I guess um, something to be invested in is that even when, which I know people have said in your 
interviews before, even when you have naysayers telling you you can't do it, it's impossible, and you feel like giving up. Um, you know, just just learning um, from this, from this that persistence pays off, and that you can you can reach the job that makes you happy. It might just take a while, but you always have to keep it in sight and never give up. Um, and freelance editing is something that I always wanted to do, even after just working a couple years in publishing. Um, but I just didn't know how to get into it, and I found that it would be difficult to manage while having a full-time job. Um, and it probably took me about six to eight years after being in full-time publishing to actually transition into freelancing. Um, again, some of that was circumstances. Um, having a you know supportive spouse and others of the other things were just being persistent marketing myself reaching out to other people in the field you know making acquaintances that way and finally be able be being able to do exactly um what i wanted to do um, even though there are a lot of times when i felt like it might never happen <laughs> mm. um so i think um that i know a lot of people aren't happy in their jobs and I was just not willing to settle and I always tried to find a way to make it work um, and you can I believe that you can make it work um, and that you can get there if you really want to hmm. you know John Maxwell in his book Failing Forward he says there are two kinds of learners uh, experience which is learning from your own mistakes and wisdom which is learning from the mistakes of others at the start of your journey uh, what type of um, roadblocks or or mistakes did you feel that you had to overcome okay um, well because I was because working with the publishing companies helped me build the skills um, in order that I needed to you know freelance edit and learn how to edit fiction and, and nonfiction books um, so you know as a young person out of college um, I didn't have any experience in editing I, I didn't do any internships with publishing companies I wasn't in New York I was in Maryland where they hardly have any um, so when we moved to Boston I think the biggest struggle also coming graduating college entering a recession period where hardly anybody was hiring was very difficult um, it took me like six months to to just find an unpaid internship with a small publishing company in Boston um, so I guess the biggest roadblock with with just getting my foot in the door and publishing. Part of it was, you know, the recession, people not hiring, uh, my lack of experience on my on my resume. Um, I had just gotten out of college and here I was living in Boston, busting tables at a restaurant, and like, mm. you know, being a waitress and I had this English degree and I had these high hopes of just getting a publishing job right away and it wasn't happening and it was very discouraging and I actually looked at maybe just going back into graduate school like a lot of my friends did just because I wasn't finding anything um, but again I just I, I was persistent I applied to as many jobs as many internships as I could and finally I got accepted for this unpaid internship and I was like well I have to how am I gonna have money to commute on the train to get there it was like an hour and a half commute and they, wow. they graciously paid for my for my commuter rail tickets and my husband was working uh, but he was just starting out in his job you know so we had a little money there but I did this unpaid internship for like six months um, and then 
I found an entry-level position with a textbook publishing company. And because of my experience, even though it was unpaid, it got me the job starting out with the textbook publishing company. Hmm. Um, so something I learned then really early on was that if you sometimes if you if you really want something and you talked about this too you might have to start on the lower side or even yeah. with the non-paid side if you can like I said I had a I had a working spouse so if I was on my own I wouldn't have been able to do an unpaid internship um, so that was like the big struggle getting into publishing um, and then with with transitioning into freelance editing i would say the biggest struggle was time um because i was i was a uh, i was in graduate school i was also teaching and i really wanted to start um freelance editing just to do that like full-time after graduate school but um i had all these other things going on in my life um, so I decided just to start small with a small project. And again, I, I didn't have any client list. Um, so I charged like the bare minimum that I could. And I took any, any projects um, that came my way. And I was only able to do like one project at a time. But then eventually um, I stopped teaching and I did full freelance editing. Um, but some of that, again, is circumstantial because of COVID. Um, my daughter is home with me full time and teaching online and freelance editing and watching my daughter. There is just yeah. no time for all of that. Um, so I was like, I'll drop teaching for now, do full time freelance editing. But I would say even now, mm. my biggest struggle is time, finding time to get, finding the time to start it and to get into it um, and finding the time now. Um, and I actually had actually Reedsy is very the website where I freelance. They're very specific about who they take on their freelancing website. They require the editors to have at least ten published books that are that they've worked on that are sold on Google or Amazon. Um, and you have to fill out your resume and your profile. They're very particular. You submit it to them, and then they read through it and they tell you yes or no. So I had ten books that they could that they could find online. You know, I had this eight, seven, eight years experience in publishing. And I was like, I'm going to get on and my friend's on it. And she helped me figure out what to put into the profile. So mm. I was like, oh, I'm going to get on. And then they sent me this very like vague rejection, like, oh, you know, you're, we're not accepting you on this Reedsy right now, the freelancing website. And I was like, again, this is part of what I've learned. <laughs> I wrote back to them and I said, but I've met all your credentials. Like, can you be more specific? And they couldn't. Um, so I reached out to my friend who is on the website and she said they did the same thing to her. She's like, just keep bugging them and mm. <laughs> keep being persistent. Wow. And I, and like as somebody who's, um, not who's not the type of person who will just like always put herself out there it was one of those moments and i've experienced this a lot in my journey where you feel weird um pushing back but you have to push back or you mm. feel weird putting yourself out there but you have to and so i pushed aside feeling weird and i pushed back and then i got a different person to review it and they said oh yeah you're on the website <clears throat> and i know i'm getting ahead of myself in these things but yes um i guess that was a struggle and also 
this probably leads into your next question about what my internal struggles. But I guess my external struggles were recession out of college to get into publishing, no experience, yeah, um, time, and what I had going on in my life for um, freelancing. Wow. (laughs) Well, you you know, and I appreciate you sharing that because um, as you were sharing it, I thought about the struggle that you were getting into even the publishing and, and editing space, uh, I almost feel like I had a, a small piece of that too, because remember when we first interfaced and you, you gave me, um, you know, the positive feedback, you still had, you know, obviously things already booked out on your side. Yeah. And, yeah. and I remember it was almost, I, I, I almost had a baby rejection from you. I had, <laughs> when you said, you said, you know, um, it wasn't anything, you know, wrong with that. You just being, transparent to say like hey you know because of covid i got my daughter with me i won't be able to take on anything i know your deadline you're looking to be like in november um and so um and then i said okay i had to respect that you know and so i went ahead and just start looking on different sites to try to find somebody else and anybody who i would then interface with I will always be comparing them to, all right, this person is not like, <laughs> if Elise was here, she would have said she would have did this, this, and this. <laughs> and you had already educated me just of your own volition from that first thing, that document that I sent you, uh, that was just like, I don't know, five pages or whatever, but you sent back to me like a, a really good description of the difference between proofreading, editing, and copy editing. And I was like, wow, yeah. I got it. So when I went looking for someone else, they were trying to sell me on, hey, I do copy edits. And when I went and I and they gave me back what they gave me, I was like, I was asking the questions, pushing back, like you said. And I was like, well, this is not copy editing. And eventually they broke down. I was like, oh, yeah, well, it really wasn't copy editing. But you know, I'll get back to you. I never oh. heard from the person. I never heard from oh. the kid. And so, um, but then circle the back and around. When I circle back around to you and several months later thankfully situations changed i think it was like december a few months yeah. later and you was like oh yeah we can get started and i was like all right we can we get started in january and you were like yeah let's do it i was like all right perfect <laughs> so um you know I, I think it really speaks to whoever's listening to um you know to the program that you definitely there is there is a gift in the grind i i feel i think quite often the grind hides um inside of the grind there is an opportunity but it almost as if that opportunity is hiding your victory you know and so if you don't if you don't continue to keep moving forward you'll miss that like you'll miss that part it's just like i was talking to somebody today and they were talking about you know it's kind of like gold when you're purifying gold you put it in the oven and it's getting all of the impurities out of it but that that gold that are just a bunch of broken pieces that they threw inside the cauldron you know that now begins to melt down and now it's purified and and impurities are gone because but it's got to go through the fire (laughs) (laughs) it's got to go through the fire so the next question that i have for you is um, you know what you talked about your internal struggles, your external struggles, your roadblocks. But what epiphany did you experience? Like, at what point did you say, "Okay, yes, this is this is the right thing. I'm on the right path." Um, well, I think this goes. It ties back into the internal struggle. I know this is something that your um, your sister talked about was imposter syndrome. Mm, yeah. Um, so you know, working with a publishing company. Um, getting paid in an office job, 
you know, they 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 hire you. They they look at your resume, right? They you verify your skills by working there. You have a manager you meet with who says, "Oh yeah, you're doing a great job," or "Oh, you know, um, this is something that you need to learn. Let's learn it together." You have a coach, right? Things like that. Um, and they're they're a company paying you, right? They already have a lot of mm. <laughs> a lot of money, right? Um, so when I started freelancing. Um, especially with my first couple of projects, I was having imposter syndrome, um, meaning that, um, you know, in the back of your head, you're always wondering like, well, am I, am I really qualified enough for this? Do I really have the skills for this on my own? You know, this is like an individual person paying out of pocket money right to me to help them to help them with their work like you know this is precious money that that they have right that they budgeted or that they set aside this isn't like a, a big corporation mm. that already has a ton of money paying um and you know there's i don't know there's something about just um having an individual hiring me to work with them that i don't know started that that doubt a little bit yeah. um and i just had to keep telling myself like you you've worked you've worked in publishing you know you've done this for a long time already it's the same thing it's, it's just on a one-on-one individual level you know plus you you keep in mind as well that I want them to be happy with their with my work. Like, you know, I would hate for somebody to say they are unhappy with my editing, and I want to, them to feel like I I have I'm keeping their vision in mind because again, they're paying this money out mm-hmm. of their pocket, right? It's a service I'm providing to an individual. Um, you know, also people can write reviews on on the website where you are so you want to also make sure you're generating positive reviews so that you can get more traffic coming in or they'll go and, and spread word of mouth that they want to work for you um work with you so that was something that like i struggled with starting out on my own for the first one or two clients um but once once i sat down and was getting into the editing i was like i know i know I do this. I can do that. This is what I do. Like, this mm. is what I've been doing. It's just in a different capacity. This feels right. Like, this is, I love editing. I love tweaking. I love working with words and, like, helping the writer. Um, but I cannot tell you, like, how anxious, I've, even now, like, after I send my edits back, I'm still, like, anxious to hear back. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did they like it? Are they going to hate, hate this long editorial letter? Like, oh my goodness, like, even now, like, checking my inbox to make sure, like, <laughs> they're happy. Um, so, my epiphany about, like, put the doubt aside, like, put that mm. imposter syndrome aside, I guess started, like, after my first couple clients, they they gave me very positive feedback. They told me how much they appreciated my work and they, they felt like more confident sending their work out and that it had reached the level where they wanted it to reach. Um, and I was like, okay, like, yes, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and I also got a lot more, um, fulfillment. I get a lot. I like teaching. Teaching is really great. Um, but I find that I enjoy working with individuals one-on-one more fulfilling I suppose um and when I was finding that fulfillment that I didn't exactly get 
in the big publishing world with the big publishing companies or with the bigger classrooms, then I was like, yeah, okay. I was meant to do this. Like mm. this freelance editing was worth, is worth it. Um, you know, it's, it's worth whittling away from the publishing companies, from the teaching and now just doing this, like, um, cause I always want to know what it would be like just to freelance full time and not have the other things going on outside of that. Um, and I was like, yes, this, this feels right. Mm. Um, so I guess that's when, you know, the epiphany started when I started getting the feedback and I was really getting into the edits. Mm. Um, I just could feel like, yes, this is what I was meant to do. Mm. Um, and when I was working with big publishing companies, I enjoyed working on the big books, but I felt like I there was some type of service. You talk about serving other people. Mm-hmm. I felt like there's some type of service missing. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I feel like I'm serving more when I'm working with people one-on-one who are writers that want to get their work out there like at the start versus writers who have already found agents who already have a publishing deal who are getting their book published um and again that epiphany happened there was like yes i feel like i'm serving people and helping people um and you know they're they're feeling good about the product that Mm. they're going to be presenting to yeah, I mean, it, and we joked about this before. I mean, and during uh, email exchanges, it's almost like you like a midwife to someone's <laughs> dream, right? Like you helping to give birth to someone's dream. And uh, I, I love it because uh, it really is something that I can understand you saying that is fulfilling because it definitely feels, it feels good. Like I, I wasn't joking before when I said that if you really are in a vulnerable state when you're giving up something to somebody and they can easy well, because are you for life? <laughs> they yeah. can say, "What is this? Yeah. You call yourself a writer?" <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah. the, the the grace and wisdom that you use when you when you exchange, uh, it's almost like I, well, we have like a pen pal relationship where it's like <laughs> yeah. uh, waiting for the next mail to come. Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> it's been but really fun. So this that's the journey, the segment of your journey. But now I want to get from you what we consider to be your niche. So these are the five frameworks or what I consider to be the 5P framework and we'll start out with the very first one um, what are you passionate about what do you have strong interest in um, well I've always been passionate about writing um, telling stories uh, I've always been passionate about words and reading um, so those have always been my passions and my interests um, but I also very much enjoy have a passion with um, helping other people, um, observing other people, helping other people. Um, you know, <laughs> I my sister my sister jokes with me uh, when she she calls me. She's my older sister. She's three years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I fish, she'll call me and tell me about this problem she's having, and and I'll respond, and she'll say, "Okay, uh, so for that therapy session, I owe you hundred dollars." <laughs> Um, so she calls me her therapist. Um, so, and my, you know, just my mom experiences this, but I find that, um, people come to me with their problems a a lot and they, I guess they, they have some type of trust in the advice that I give them. Um, so I, I actually thought about at one point becoming a psych psychologist or a therapist because again I enjoy helping people with their problems mm. um, but I stuck with writing um, but 
in writing, you're observing other people, you're observing other people's problems, you're hearing about other people's problems, mm. you're, you're people watching, and, and that translates, you know, into your fiction, and you work that out in your fiction. Um, and yeah, so I, I guess those are my interests, is helping other people in, in some capacity, um, feel like I'm serving other people, uh, writing and editing. Mm. You know, so it, it is um, so valuable what you're doing. It reminds me of um, the gentleman name, I believe, is Howard Thurman. And he had a mentee who used to come to the university that he was at. And, you know, it was a young, young guy. He was in early, early 20s or maybe uh, late teens. And he was just mentoring him. And, you know, the guy would just took a liking to him and the investment that he was making in this young man. Little did he know that that young man would eventually grow up to be who we know now as Dr. Martin Luther King. Right. And so (laughs) sometimes the investments that we make in individuals is somewhat like a psychologist. But I even think from an editing standpoint, think about it. People are writing books quite often and the books are like a tool to help somebody get over some hurdle, become more efficient in something or give them some strategy. And so in essence, by you helping that person to get clear about their voice in their writing, you don't know how many countless people that book can touch. It can touch millions of people. Um, and so the investments that you're making right now, I mean, a psychologist could say the same thing, right? You don't know the impact, but in your space, I really see what you're doing as being purposeful, which is actually the very next question that I want to ask you. What do you do that feels purposeful? What do you do that you say to yourself? I feel like I was made for this moment. Um, I, I think uh, well, definitely with uh, with the editing, um, when I when I um, when I see a writer growing as we're as we're as we're editing and and working together in the book, um, as I see them as I see them um, understanding the feedback that I'm giving them, and and then later taking it taking it on themselves. Um, and thinking about the feedback on their own without me mentioning it again, then I know that like, oh, okay, they they understood, you know, what I what I was saying here, and and now they've internalized it, and now they have the tool themselves, and now they're using it on their own. So, for example, like when I'm teaching, or you know, when when I was teaching, or when I'm editing, um, when I was teaching, students had to submit multiple drafts of their paper. Um, and, and I would, I would, um, I would edit their papers, but I wouldn't do copy it. I would, I provide guiding questions. Um, if I saw some errors, I'd point it out the first couple times and that was it. And then, you know, I tell them they need to, they need to take this on their own. And I could really tell that the writer or the student had learned from that. If I saw on their second or third draft or their next paper that they had, they had, taken that suggestion and internalized it and used it as a tool so that I didn't need, even need to mention it again. Mm. Um, and I saw their writing grow that grow that way. Um, so in the same with, with the editing process, like when I'm working, when I'm freelancing and working with a writer, you know, I might, I might mention a couple of times, like you need to transition between paragraphs. Here's how you do it. And then when they send me like, you know, the next, 
pages or the next draft and they have great transitions all over the place i'm like yes they got it. you know <laughs> i feel like i really helped them that way i know now that when we're finished this project and they go and they write they've added tools to their toolbox that they can just pull out and use and they don't need me there or need somebody there to remind them to use them they they i presented them with the tool they've learned how to use it and now when they go on with their next writing project they can they can use it on their own and they're confident in using it on their own um mm. and i find that i found that very personal purposeful mm. um, because I, I I've seen that growth um, and I see them not just like accepting all like hitting accept all changes and that's it you know they're really thinking about it um, so that they can use it later on in their next writing project which is always my hope when I work with the writers that when they do their next writing project they'll have learned some editing skills or tools taking away some new tools from this project that they can apply on their own and feel more confident in their in their next um, you know project or whatever that they're doing after that mm. I, I can tell you and I'm, I guess I'm in the student bucket right there because I, I can tell you what I when you're when your edits come back via email and I, I almost feel like it's a treat for me. Yeah. Going through the edits, I, I'm the same way. I don't I never just accept all it's like each one I'm like, hmm, now why does she use that word versus that word? Oh, actually it makes better sense. And so you is there's this whole learning dynamic that happens. So I can completely relate and I appreciate you doing that. What patterns do you have? What do you do naturally well? Like I said, I've always loved writing. Um one of my professors was like, you write quickly, don't you? You read quickly, don't you? Mm. And I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, for me, um, I've never really had writer's block. I don't believe in writer's block. Um, I would say writing comes easily to me mm. in the sense that um, I, will sit, I can sit down for whatever, an hour, a couple hours, and just write, you know, whatever, start, start to finish. Um, and typically typically don't have a problem doing that sometimes you know i have to stop and think about you know yeah. what i'm gonna say or things like that um but i don't believe in writer's block i think there's always something you can write about mm. and i think maybe part of that has helped with feeling like i can write easily meaning not that it's like easy to write mm. <laughs> but that for me to sit down you know and write out my story or write out my sentences um it usually feels like it comes comes naturally to me, comes easily to me. Um, and I would say with the with editing, um, I feel like it's always it's always been this way. When I when I was in school, workshopping other people, edit, workshopping other people's stories, giving feedback, um, I just feel that I can um, easily kind of pick up on um, mm. what's missing maybe in terms of, of plot-wise or, or character development um, or what could add, add more to the story to create more dynamics. Um, you know, when I edit, I feel I feel like that editing comes easily to me. I just, I kind of just go in autopilot mode and I'm over here suggesting new words over here, moving paragraphs. I almost see, it almost feels like a puzzle to me, but a puzzle that I I know how how to put together and mm. part of the enjoyment is feeling like I'm putting the puzzle together by suggesting you know 
reorganizing the structure so that it flows better, you know, understanding do we really need to have um, this moment here in the story it would work better without it or you know getting lost as a reader I feel like all of those things just come come naturally to me and that they they always have um and that they come they come easily to me mm. um the things that the things that I learned the technical skills that I learned with copy editing and proofreading um you know they came from my publishing background but in terms of like flow and structure and organization and development and finding the writer's voice i feel like again that's always come easily naturally to me something i've always known um i think part of that is me being a writer myself um and also being a big reader um but yeah that part of the editing has always come easily to me um but the technicalities of it are something that you know you have you learn um I've learned through my publishing jobs. Um, mm. Like, do you spell out 11 a.m. in fiction or do you write the numbers? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the technical stuff that, you know, you have, that I had to learn. Uh, what do you feel proficient at? What have, you learned, um, what have you learned to do well over time? Let's see. I've learned to... Well, I guess this is like... Um, a personality thing but I think it applies to what I do is um, I've learned not to uh, jump into things right away to take us that's okay to take a step back um, and think about it like before you respond or you know like before you make it before you make a note about something in, in somebody's book like your initial reaction might be like oh just just um like take out this whole paragraph and then you're like wait a minute like how is this gonna feel to the writer yeah <laughs> you suggest to delete all that what if you suggest to to rewrite it um also um i guess guiding questions this is something that you had mentioned before becoming proficient at guiding the writer instead of telling the writer what to do mm. Um, if you, if you tell the writer what to do, like if you just go in with your red pen and cross everything out and rewrite, <laughs> rewrite everything yourself, um, you know, without any explanation, that's not going to help the writer because they're not going to understand what, what they could have done better or what you saw could have been improved within that paragraph or that sentence structure. They're just going to look at like, oh, they just deleted my whole sentence and they won't understand right. why and they won't learn from that. Um, so learning how to be a guide, um, I guess is something that I've become proficient at. And again, that's come through, um, my creative writing classes, observing the way my professors have provided guidance to me in my writing, what I felt most helpful in the feedback that they gave me. I always found it more helpful when they, wrote a letter telling me what worked well and what didn't work well um, and providing a few suggestions instead of saying this is exactly what you need to do to rework your story and make it work and here's a whole page of notes written everywhere. Um, so taking that and applying that to, and also with teaching, you have to guide your students. You can't just tell them everything. Right. So taking that and applying it to freelance editing, um, you know, I, I try to I try to write comments that are questions that that might make the writer rethink 
well, is this really necessary? You know, I might say, as a reader, I was confused here. What exactly did you mean? And that's my way of trying to get the writer to think about it and, and change it on their own without me saying like, okay, this is exactly what you need to say to change this paragraph to make it make sense. Um, mm. I think that's something that I, being a guide, a helpful guide in providing suggestions instead of exactly telling somebody what to do. Um, mm. I've become proficient at and have had to learn to do over time. What problems uh, do people come to you to solve in a unique way? Um, <laughs> well, I guess um, people come to me with a lot of uh, personal relationship problems. Yeah. <laughs> like, this has nothing to do with editing. Um, <laughs> like, like, on a personal level, um, even though they might have had way more might have had more relationships than me mm. or, or things like that uh, whether it's uh, boyfriend girlfriend relationship friendship relationship things like that yeah um, a lot of people <laughs> come to me for relationship help with things like that mm. um, and for for editing a lot of people um, come to me for editing uh, saying you know, I I have I have this book. I worked on it for two years, and I just can't look at it anymore. Uh, mm. I know it. I it, I know it needs help, and I know it needs restructuring or, or reorganizing. And I don't know how to do it. Mm. Um, so I do get a lot of um, clients who are looking for um, big picture development. It's again, mean structure organization. Um, how do I how do I make sure that what I'm saying is clear to the reader and, and not just to me? Um, and again, how do I how do I help them? I think was the other part of the question mm. uh, was that again I try to provide I try to show them the first few examples of, of how of how you'd fix it, and then I let them do it on their own. Um, so I, I had a book where. There's a lot of um, point of view switching around, uh, meaning like it was in one character's perspective, then another, then another, and it was just kind of confusing. I was jumping around a lot. So what I did was that, okay, I will show you <laughs> how you change this, these two paragraphs so that it's just from one character's perspective. And now you go and try to do it yourself with the next time. And if you need help, ask me and I'll help you. Mm. Uh, so I guess that's, again, how... I try to try to solve those um, problems for them. I'm not sure if they're unique um, because you know a lot of people probably are looking for that, but I don't know that how many people know how to articulate that's what they need. Mm. Well, you do a phenomenal job at it, and um, I appreciate your niche, and that's the 5P framework we just went through. So now, last couple questions that I have for you is really your secrets. So this is now Elise of today speaking to Elise of yesterday or of yesteryear, and you just want to say, like, you know, at the start of your journey 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when you just had this dream of being in the position that you're in right now, what secret would you tell your younger self that would help accelerate them from where they are at that point in time to where you are today? Um, I would say be confident, be persistent. You can always find time to make something happen. Mm. You can always find time to do what you want to do. Um, 
even if you are staying up at midnight to do it, it's important that you do it. Um, and also, you know, don't listen to the to the people who tell you you're not going to be able to do something, or you're not going to be able to get into something. Um, and what what your goal is, or your dream is, might not happen right away, but always continually putting in the work to get there will eventually um, help you get there. And also say yes to as many opportunities that come your way, even if you feel uncomfortable saying <laughs> saying yes to them. Hmm. Um, I mean, like my one of my professors told me that, and I was like, oh, I wish I had like thought of this earlier. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like say saying yes to um, you know, like looking at this your friends like five-page story because maybe you'll get published one day and they'll say use your name or, or something like that yeah. um, and find time for those opportunities um, you know when I was working a full-time job and I was in graduate school and this opportunity came up where I could apply to um, to teach undergraduate students and in doing so, I would get my um, my tuition waived for that graduate year in school. I'm like, I'm working a full-time job. I've been in graduate school. When will I have time to teach? Hmm. I was like, just say yes. <laughs> You'll wow. figure it out later on. So I said yes. Um, I figured it out <laughs> somehow. Hmm. And I was in working full-time in graduate school, taking three classes and teaching two classes. Um, but I worried about the logistics later. Wow. <laughs> and I said yes at the time, and that led me into, you know, being able to teach and um, making connections and, and, and getting into the into the freelancing. Um, so I've kind of taken on that mentality of say yes and figure it out later, mm. uh, which may, is really risky sometimes. But I'm like, it'll if you want it to work, you'll make it work. You might be exhausted, but it's it's a good thing, and that will lead to more opportunities along along the way. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's something that I would also. Um, tell my younger self. <laughs> I gotta tell you, um, I appreciate you sharing that story. It actually reminds me of going, I'm gonna take you way back to the 80s, right? So this is, <laughs> you know, uh, I'll take you back to 85 on Saturdays. They used to have Saturday night cinema, uh, Saturday afternoon cinema, and it typically was a karate or kung fu flick that would come on. And I remember watching one called 36 Chambers of Death. Long and short of it is, is that the whole plot of the show was there was this one guy who was uh, somewhat of a con artist and um, his village got got pillaged by, you know, all of these hooligans that came through. And he wanted to get back to him. And he said the only way to get back to him is to become a Shaolin uh, master because they knew how to fight and knew how to protect everybody. Fast forward into the, the, the actual story. He conned his way into the Shaolin temple <laughs> and the master knew he was conning, but he was going to teach him. <laughs> A lesson and he had him to go wash his hair and he had the way he washed his hair was he had to stand over a well throw the bucket into the well pull it up and it was like whatever 10 20 feet deep pull it up pull it up pull it up and then take the water dump it on his head he did that for the entire night he was just dump it back in pull it up pull it up pull it up just wash his hair you know and then <laughs> what he didn't realize what was happening is during the exercise he was developing muscles 
right? He was developing muscles that he didn't realize that were needed in Kung Fu fighting. As soon as he finished that challenge, the master said, he said, Master Shantae, can you teach me Kung Fu now? He was like, no, I'm not going to teach you Kung Fu. Go build the scaffolding around the wall. <laughs> and, and, and just him doing the different techniques, he was doing the tef- different techniques with the bamboo and tying the whole thing. And long story short, is that at the end of everything, he had mastered the Shaolin technique by doing these little menial tasks. So when he finished all of that stuff about a year or so later, goes to Master Shante. Master Shante, he says, Master Shante, teach me Kung Fu now. He was like, you already know Kung Fu. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, saying yes, it's kind of like you building the scaffolding outside right it's, it's like you you know putting the, the water or the bucket inside the well you're developing a muscle that now when people could interface with you they can they can feel this sense of mastery that you've already achieved and so now somebody may say to you hey Elise, you know uh you know what makes you think that you can be a copy editor you got all of this mastery behind you now but before you had it it just it started with your yes so i appreciate you saying yes (laughs) you know (laughs) the the last question that i'll ask you though is um how do you know when it's time to um give up on the pursuit of what you're pursuing versus staying focused on your goal to give like a concrete sort of specific example and what what instantly comes to mind for me is is with writing um if i might have like a i might start a story and i have an idea of how it's going to end or i have a goal for that story whether it's to be published in a magazine or go to a contest um if i'm writing and and i have this ending in mind for the story um and i feel like as I'm writing other other ideas are coming through on how to end the story I'm like no don't listen to them it has to end this way hmm. um, and, I, and I'm forcing it into that ending and it, it, the, the writing just starts to feel stale and it, it doesn't feel exciting um, then I know to stop <laughs> stop hmm. that story stop focusing on that ending and, and to go towards where my gut my gut instinct is leading me um, towards the other ending that has come into mind and to let the story flow naturally that way. And I think that can be applied um, to real life as well. Um, I think I mentioned before, I wanted to be a dolphin trainer. Mm. When I was in college, I was like, I'm going to double major in English and biology. Mm. And that way I can go into marine biology. I can do environmental writing. Uh, anyone who knows me, math is not my strong suit, mm. uh, nor is science. I stink at it. Mm. But me being the determined person that I am who like refuses to give up, um, I was sitting in biology class, you know, feeling like I was always like weeks behind it, in learning the lesson and I'm mm. struggling. And I remember I just like called my dad cry one day. I was like, I can't, I don't know biology. <laughs> I don't think I can double major in biology in the stream that I had of merging writing and, and my love of nature and biology yeah. wasn't fitting. Um, but my gut was telling me stop and my dad's like it's okay just it's this isn't your thing you know like right english is your thing just just drop the biology and just focus on the writing um you know and i i i i trust my instinct to lie trust i i trust my i got a lot um if i have something that i really want to do and that i'm determined to do it and and i just find that 
it's not working, no matter how much I'm putting into it, then then I know I need to switch tactics or do something else. Um, for example, the first book that I wrote, um, like so excited, I wrote my first book. And I, I queried all these agents. I got like 15 full manuscript requests, and and they all said, "This just isn't the one for me. Send me another one." Mm. And at first, she's like, "No, I'm going to get an agent with this book." And I realized, you know what? This is my first book, right? Yeah. This is my this is my learning experience. I am forcing this. Like it is not happening, mm. and that is okay. Put it away learn from it write something else and do it all over again mm. <laughs> and that's that's and that is okay and then um i heard this this great interview with these writers who had who had ended up getting agents and they they said you know um don't always focus on on uh, on the dream focus on what you're doing and make and and, and find pleasure in that so like you know when mm. when you're writing a book don't focus on i'm going to get an agent with this book make little goals focus on i'm going to write this book i'm going to write the first draft i'm going to edit this book i'm going to query agents if someone says yes that's great if someone does it well i've written a book and that's pretty darn special oh yeah um and so i think also <laughs> hearing that advice has really helped with um you know being okay with giving up on a goal and knowing that you're not giving up it's it's just not the right time or yeah. or the right goal to have mm. and that's okay because sometimes it happens mm. <laughs> and, and that's been a big learning experience but again that just that gut instinct of like I've tried I've tried I've tried I've tried as much as I can um you know, obviously, this isn't the right time. Maybe it'll happen later. Mm. Let's focus on another project, and maybe we can come back to that one. Wow! Um, so that was a long answer. <laughs> no, I love yeah, it. I know for writers who are listening, it's going to be something that resonates with them because we all know um, the process. And I think that's great advice to say, yeah, you may have a dream, but don't focus on the dream too much. Focus on what's directly in front of you, like kind of like put one foot in front of the other and just keep moving type of thing. Yeah. And I, I love that that piece of advice. If someone wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Well, if you go to ReadZ, um the Reedsy website, R-E-E-D-S-Y.com. Uh, and you look for my name, Elise Gallagher, Elise Gallagher you'll see my profile come up. Uh, and that's probably the best way to contact me. <laughs> All right. So, and you know, if you want to get in contact with us uh, here at Dream Octane, you can go on to dreamoctane.org. Uh, it was such a privilege having Elise Gallagher uh, on our show today. And uh, it was such uh, great information that was shared. She resonates with me because she's helping me to fulfill my dream but it's seeing and hearing what she was saying it sounds like as she's working with writers she's also fulfilling her own dream so there's this symbiotic relationship it seems that's happening uh, between the writer and the editor and I'm so grateful that she chose to do what she is what she's doing uh, so Elise I thank you for being on the program today I wish you much success in what you're doing and 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 continue success hopefully with as we continue to move forward with dream Octane that could be help other other people to experience success uh, on their journey that they're currently on. Thank you again for everyone tuning in and thank you Elise for being a part of the program. 
Thanks, sir. I had a great time. <laughs> All right. Same here. So next time, everybody, thank you for tuning in.